0: And today on Diversified Game, get your pen and your pad ready, you guys. I have Miss Camille Hall, who is gonna show us how she makes money on the front end, possibly on the back end development. For all I know, she might be a full stack developer. We're gonna find out how do you make money. She has a website that the link is in the description box called creativeambition.net. But she is the person whenever you have a good idea, you need a great software engineer that's reliable. So Camille, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm doing really good this morning feeling peaceful and calm with all this rain that's coming down
0: okay okay well you know um you're going back to your your seattle days you brought the rain probably to austin um and we know texas you know they pray for rain so in certain places
1: (laughs) at least we're getting it on earth day too so that helps
0: oh man now i i want all everybody you know you are a software engineer and we're not going to give them the full, you know, uh, lesson on this is this is what a front end, back end, and I don't do this, but I do do that. But I what I want you to get into in this interview is what you're you love to do, and how did you start getting into being a software engineer? Because there's not, you know a lot the majority of software engineers probably don't look like you and aren't even as young as you so how did you start with this journey
1: yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to catch up i know the next generation they're all into tech right now so they're hopefully they're coming along but my my journey actually did start with um myspace you know i gotta, gotta bring it back we're gonna bring it back to myspace you know everyone was so uh, obsessed with how their page looked and making sure like they had you know the music coming in on their page soon as you enter it um, you know sparkles or whatever coming down on the page um you know everything so i was really just into my page looking really nice when my friends and whoever came to visit my myspace page and then I also had, you know, Black Panther page, you know, I don't know if anyone remembers that, but same thing there. I had to get all the special effects and that literally just sparked everything for me. Like I was editing HTML um, using just a plain text editor at that point because I didn't know any better. So I think it was actually even better learning that way because you're literally learning from scratch. And then back at that point, if you wanted to style anything, you had to use like CSS. But at that point, I was just using inline CSS. I don't even know if CSS was like really a big thing at that point. Probably was, but I was like in high school, so I didn't know too much about it. Um, And that just really sparked um, my passion for web development. and from there in Seattle, there was, and they still might be there. Uh, they're called OSC Occupational Skills Center out in Seatac, Washington. them. I was going to them uh, as a high school afternoon program, and they would. My skill set was they would teach me web development, so that's where I really started taking it a little bit more serious in high school.
0: Okay. And so really, I mean, social media sparked a whole career for you. So, I mean, you found interest in that and just wanted to keep learning and learning. You know, was it, did you go to an advanced high school or was it just part of the regular curriculum?
1: Yeah. So that's one, that's a really good point because you have to be very, um, you have to put a lot of initiative out there. So my high school was just traditional high school. I was not in AP courses at all. like I was just in basic classes. but when I started really getting into this MySpace and Black Pan customization, that's where I started to look and see what resources I can find to propel myself into that direction. And so um, I think I may have scheduled an appointment with my counselor, but I also did my own research because sometimes, at least in my experience, my counselors were not, I was just one of 1,000, you know, they really didn't give me too much attention and too much time. So I had to really come in prepared and know what I want and present that to them and make sure that we're on the same page. So it was something that I had to put an in initiative and make sure that I was put into this program, but it was not going to happen to me unless I went up there and let them know I was interested. So that's a big key takeaway that I would tell, you know, other um, young adults, other students and whatnot is just to really put initiative out there. Um, You know, especially even with my, my parent, my mother, she didn't really know too much about these after school programs, you know, so it's, it's not even like I had that, Support to kind of push me in the right direction. I didn't have that counselor support. So, you just really, if you really want to do something, you're going to have to go and get it by any means possible.
0: (laughs) Definitely, definitely. And I love that because I know, you know, social media, but it was, (laughs) I'll date myself now, but it was even before the MySpace and the Black Planet days of, I mean, being a young kid, having a computer. And on the Yahoo Messenger, being learning how to type because of the trolls and wanting to, you know, do it in English and in Spanish real quick, <laughs> you know, and probably being a little thirsty if I'm being honest, even at a young age. Like, hold on, I want to, you know, I want to say this quickly in, in whichever language. So, you know, that sparks, you know, being able how to, you know, be what we're doing now. Um, with, with with that program though, how long was that program, and when do you think that you became like really, you know, like getting to know the program well? I don't want to say an expert because you're always forever learning with technology. But how long did it take to say, oh wow, I'm I'm building more than just a Black Planet page or a MySpace page?
1: So, the, I think the program itself was the whole school year. Uh, you know probably September to June type of um, time frame and I just did just that one school year I believe it may have been two years if memory serves me right but um, as far as when I felt comfortable with building websites it, it, it took some time like even with that course um, we built an entire website I built a clothing store I think it was I forget what it was called, but it was like Lemonade Clothing Store. It was something related to that. Um, way before the Beyonce's, way before the Lululemon's, I had a little scratch clothing store that I created. Um, but even at that point, I still wanted to learn more. And that's when I, um, at that point, I think I was a junior, maybe senior at that point. And that's when I started looking into what can I learn at college? So I I literally just went from that program and and then enrolled myself into um, secondary education to get that additional learning. So even at that point, I still didn't feel comfortable like building pages. I only felt comfortable like dealing with my space and and Black Planet. My story is like very um, non-traditional as well. There was a lot of stops and go within my um, software engineer life cycle. Um And that's something that too, I think a lot of people can um gain a message from because it wasn't just a smooth hill like I went to high school college, and then I'm making x amount of money as a software engineer. There was definitely some some lessons and strides and things that I needed to learn that actually help now in my um position as a software engineer.
0: Now, you said money, so I you know that is one of the things that we love to talk about. And with with the, the money, I mean, you know, I remember there were people even back then who could set your page up, hook you up. There were things that, you know, templates or whatever things you could buy when the MySpace days, there were bots you could buy. Oh, I miss MySpace because Facebook won't let you do half of what MySpace will allow you to do Um But when did it come to a point where you said, wait, I can get paid for this? Were you in high school in college or was it after college to where you made your first, you know, um, dollar?
1: You know, it was. It was during high school, uh, during the MySpace times where I was hustling, had little side hustles to make just money um, so I could go shopping and stuff like that at that point. Um, and it was just a little bit of money, a little chump change, but it was still like a nice trade and they were happy with their page and it still gave me, um, some, some skills that I could take and use from there. But again, that was a little play money. So it didn't really get serious with the money until, um, I'd say after way after college, when I actually was like, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to really, um, that's when I started learning back end as well as front end because up until that point I was very much just a front end person. But in the last two years, that's when I started delving more into the back end and was able to put those two together, plus a little bit of like UI and a little bit of UX training, which is like user interface and then um, user experience training, to really kind of give myself a um, a lot of skill sets that could be very uh, that could work well and um, uh, multiple different team settings. Uh, so that's when I started making the big money, it was way, way after college. Once okay. I actually got serious with this.
0: Okay, so you, I mean, you are the person that every entrepreneur, we have entrepreneurs on here, and everybody, you know, not, not everyone's a creative but every creative needs a software engineer so you know and you, like i said her website the link is in the description but before you go you know hit her up and start asking a million questions let me ask them for you and when business comes to you what are the first things that you need to know besides their budget cuz i tell people you're you're always building a house but what do they need to have ready before, you know, even sending you an email, and then I'm going to get into some of your, like, what are the pet peeves of don't do this, uh, if you contact me.
1: Um, so, as far as what they need to have ready, um, they really just need to have ready their brainstorming and the planning and um, just really have a solid foundation of what their their product is, How what are their customers look like, especially the customers. I need to know who your audience is so I can build this for your audience preference. Because if we're building something and the front end just doesn't really vibe with your audience, um, let's say your audience uh, is geared towards um, those 60 plus, well, I don't want to build a, a front end that has um, so much going on. It's just really noisy. There's there's all these um, animations. There's... Uh, like the the user experience of it may be a little bit uh, too much to grasp for someone who didn't grow up with a computer attached to their hips, you know. So we want to just scale it down if we're working towards that audience. Or if the audience was more like a college demographic, then we can go ahead and do all the bells and whistles. And we anticipate that they're going to know how to um, navigate the, this kind of website. So definitely, if you're going to go to any software engineer, even myself, I need to know who the audience is so I can, I can plan better and really customize this for your benefit and for theirs so that they do not leave your website immediately upon getting there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, as well, I would say, what's your time frame looking like? Because that, as well is going to dictate what this website is going to look like and how much we can really put into it. Um, and the time frame also does dictate the budget. You know, if you're really on a crunch, that definitely may put a lot more stress on the um, engineers and those involved. So we may want to uh, be sure that we're compensated enough so that we can be motivated and get this done at a very small turnaround time. Um, as far as, um, I- I, do, I say you don't necessarily need to have an online presence yet. I've worked with clients that literally have no online presence, but that's where I need to know all of your, your business plan as far as, you know, who your audience is and, you know, kind of your ideas. I need to at least have that set. And then I'll work with them step by step from um, the user experience. I'll get all their demographics. I'll know who we're targeting this for. At that point, then I'll build them a uh, a visual mockup, like a wireframes and prototypes so they can actually see, okay, this is how I see your website when we first get there. Uh, Most people, most customers are gonna click on this because it's right there in front of their face or it's a call to action, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I just kind of walk them through this process so they can visually see this before we start implementing, before we actually lay down any code because that's just a waste of time if you're coding and you show your client and they're like, I don't like any of this. You just wasted all that time coding. And that's where I feel like my skills with graphic design plus coding really help all in all, because I can literally help clients from start to finish, literally with their graphic design needs, their visual needs, their front end needs, as well as implementing the back end when we're coding and doing all that. So it's it's Yeah, really the end-to-end business solution for creative ambition is how I envision everything.
0: Okay. I got a
1: little curious on you, but I had to let people know.
0: You know, let, let them know be, because uh, I find that, you know, the more information you give, the better potential um, email or, or phone call, however people contact you, social media. Because for for me as a as a consultant, I tell people, you know, I just send links and say, this is what we do. I don't even talk anymore. I sometimes don't even pick up my phone because I have this automatic thing. And I want you, know, you to, to really um, you know, sell this because everybody needs this. And I just, I mean, every week, but I just had someone yesterday, uh, not yesterday, last night, since I haven't slept, my, my friend in London was like, hey, I want to build this platform. Uh, do you know any? coders who understand blockchain and she had another thing that she needed and i said yeah i know some people and i can tell you you know there's a lot of people who know that what's your budget so can you let the folks know like my friend gab's shout out um what is a good budget every project is different i know but what is a healthy size budget and time frame for your average project with you
1: with me, my average project? Um, I'd say the time frame average for me has been about three to four weeks. And that's been literally just um, building a website, building an online presence for them. Now, if people are talking about like uh, they want to build a mobile app, then again, that's where my preliminary questions are going to come into play because I need to know are we talking about Android and iOS or like what are you talking about? So it really, it's going to heavily depend on those um, questions that I initially asked my clients, um, with app development, that I would say would literally take between again, another four to five weeks if we're just building a simple app. Um, and it really just depends on how complex this is going to, to be at this point. Um, and I would say, too, as far as complexity, um, for a lot of entrepreneurs, I think I definitely recommend, like, getting a, a freelance software engineer or someone who um, can work with you independently as opposed to, like, signing with the agency to, like, take over this project because that's going to be a, a ton of... More money um, working with the agency, especially when you're just starting um, your business and just want to get your online presence out. Where I feel as a, uh, a freelancer or someone you know you hire for contract work, they're going to be a, a lot quicker to get a hold of, as well as they can get your project done probably within your, your budget that you're aiming for. Um, which, for like a mobile app, again, a simple one with a regular time frame, I would say. Oh, I would not expect it to be less than $2,000 for that kind of um, work. And again, it just depends heavily on are they going to just be coding or is it gonna be something like what I do where I provide all the front end plus the back end. So a little bit of graphic design is mixed into that. Um, For like a website, those are really kind of easy to make nowadays, especially if you're with a freelancer, generally we have our own like code libraries and so we can literally just import those in and spin up a a project uh, very, very quickly because we already have the code and we just really need to put the styling and change the styling. So that a simple website can be even like $500, you know, Um, and they can make sure that your SEO is optimized so that, you know, Google and Bing and all these search engines are able to, you know, get to your website and able to, um, see that you have content on there that is fresh and
0: being updated and you know
1: so it it's a lot but it is definitely manageable.
0: Okay and that's a, a real you know fair starting price. I right now with you know the gig economy and people going to sites like Fiverr they'll say hey I saw the service you offered on Fiverr for you know five dollars and I said I promise you you didn't see what I offered for $5 on, 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 five. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to,
1: what your $5 service that they see is, is probably not going to be at all anything like you would provide them. So it's a matter of um, quality at that point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's, you know, fair. And so you, you know, you've lived here in Seattle, you're now, you know, you're, you're back home in Austin would not with t- let's talk tech and women um do you find it difficult um or maybe it's a benefit now to be a woman and a black woman at that who who does this because you know we they talk inclusion diversity in seattle and we when you work at the companies which i have you're like where is it and then you have- <laughs> You're like, where is it? And so you know, you have you know your so many groups. You're you know from your African town to your Black Dots to your Hack Nations to I could go on and on. The collective and, and all that and, and and these groups, you know, the people are there. And you're like, hey, this one person works in this department. This one person works in that department. Um, sometimes if you go down to the basement and talk to that other person. Um, <laughs> You know, it's like, it's not really that hard to find talent that, that looks like us, but the the big corporations, you know, they find it difficult that they can only find one of us, kind of like, you know, they find that one comedian every, you know, five to ten years. But um, do you find it beneficial to be, you know, black in, in coding or is it more difficult? Do people, you know, do they respect you?
1: Oh, those are really good questions, really great questions. Um, I do think right now in this time, um, there's definitely, like you said, a big push for diversity and inclusion. So that does kind of um, open the doors a little bit more for um, black um, tech professionals as well as women in tech. Um, That kind of gives us the, uh, uh, like I said, it opens the door, but it does not get you in the door at the same time. Um, you still got to have those skills. They're going to still test you. Um, but it does at least give us a chance to, to show what we have. It's just like, you know, you need to make sure that you um, stay ready so you never have to get ready uh, when it comes to, to tech because they still will test you in those initial interviews. Um, so, yes, I would say definitely the answer is yes. From the point when I was in high school, I don't remember there being a big um, push for women in technology. I don't remember there being a big push for blacks in, in technology. So I, I have definitely seen that change. Um, and I, I do think as far as your second question when it relates to are you respected and whatnot, I think with anything, respect is earned. I can say from my experience, um, I think people actually anticipated me being a little, not as, um, I think they kind of expected me not to to have a work, the work ethic that I do. I think they were kind of expected me to be just like average or like, oh, she can get by. And I think they've been really surprised that, uh, I'm very focused, very determined. I'm like laser sharp focused with the work that I do and the details that I put in and the hours that I invest. Um, so I think that was a, a pleasant surprise when I worked with clients and even my current employer. Um, so I think with that, I gained their respect because they're like, oh, oh, excuse me, she actually knows what she's doing. She's on the ball, she's going above and beyond. So that was the respect that I earned because you know, I was putting in that work.
0: Okay. Okay. And and I just, I just have to ask because when um, my my family moved here to Seattle and um, I would tell people, hey, you know, my wife works at Swedish and, you know, she's a radiologist, you know, whatever over there. And people would say, where is she? Because in the radiology room, I only, you know, see like the janitor uh, clean, you know, at the, but she's at the computer. And my wife at Swedish um, and at the different hospitals she's worked for, for UW, they've confused her with the janitor because, you know, she has her natural hair like yours and she couldn't be the the physician. She had to be the janitor or the CNA. So I just have to ask, you know, you know, I'm like, no, she, she, she works there. She's the only black one, (laughs) you know? and, And so I just have to ask because these are real things and it's kind of, insulting when you think that you work so hard to get somewhere and people you know would think that you aren't capable or you're not going to put in the effort knowing that you have to put in more effort because they're looking at you like oh man yeah you know wait for her to give that that you know that whatever you know whatever stereotypes people have and they truly have them and, and anybody who says, oh, here you guys go playing the race card, you've never had to deal with <laughs> the effects. So you're more mad about someone highlighting the issue. And that's the whole thing with the inclusion and diversity. They want to put somebody there, but they don't want to change the culture to make it comfortable. And, you know, uh-huh. it, yeah. So, you know, and if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, but you know, that's I,
1: definitely huge. Um, the culture does have to, once you're actually in working with the company, the, the culture does have to be key. Um, I, I will say, I'm not going to name the, the, the company, but um, I've known people to work at a very large corporation there in Seattle, and they make great money, great money as software engineers. But unfortunately, the, the culture was very toxic in the workplace to the point where they said it's not even worth the money at this point. Um, luckily for me, I ne- I have not had that working um, with startups and tech. I feel it's a little bit more of a um, a lax culture, a little bit more of accepting culture in startups, um, which I really do like. So.
0: Okay. And you don't have to mention Microsoft or Amazon's name. You don't have to do it. I'll, I'll do it for you because, you know, it's either one of those two, (laughs) if, if, if they're big out here and, and that's just, you know, that's just the game. And Facebook will add you there too. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really not that difficult. um, If you, they, you know, I, I find it funny when they hire the diversity person and The diversity person doesn't have to be a minority, but it helps. But even if they are a minority, pick the one that has a voice of a minority, not one that is trying to fit in and assimilate and, well, I don't know if, you know, and your voice can be like that, but you can still be like, this can't go on and it be comfortable for everyone. Because I've sat at uh, Synology and they would, I mean, I'm the only PR person in the whole, you know, marketing whatever department and they'd go out to lunch and nobody would say, Hey, you want to go? And I just got there, you know, and we know in Seattle, this is a cold place in general. I mean, they social distance on a good day. So the Rona ain't stopped or changed anything for those of us who always work at home and, you know, but Seattle is a, it's a great place for tech, and it's a great place for business, and you're guaranteed to learn something and learn, but you have to kind of just, you know, find your your tribe because yeah. the, yeah, the, the people. And talk about finding your tribe. One of your goals is to, you know, travel the world and speak at conferences. And I want to know what are your favorite conferences. And I also want to know the follow-up, you know what conference is better? South by Southwest, CES, or Afrotech? Because I'm sure you've been to one of the three.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. I've been to the South by Southwest. So that's really the only one I can talk about. But I really do want to go to the Afrotech. Really, really bad. CES, we had people from my company go out, but I did not get to go. Um, But I think that would be probably one of the biggest ones um, that highlight a lot of um, technologies that are going to be released, so that's a really, really a tough decision. I don't have to just experience them all. You guys can email me invites to all of them I will fly. Look now I'm trying to get all the little all the little plugs in, but um but yes i I do definitely have my idea with tech and where I want to go is I do want to be someone to advocate. Um, you know, brown and black people to get into tech. Um, so that's why I want to do a lot of speaking engagements. But I also want to kind of mix it up. I do I do love astrology a lot. And I think that if people really knew in depth their um, astrology natal chart, I think they can own in on some of those strengths that they have and be able to use that in, you know, career sector, even in relationship sectors. But I'll, I'll probably just more so be talking on the career sector. Um, so I kind of want to mix that in in some of my talks, um, and, and kind of piggybacking on, uh, me advocating for, you know, black and brown people to get in the tech. I really do think that it's something very beneficial that they should get into. And when I speak with people about it, I generally try to, um, challenge them at all times. Like for example, I'll have, um, someone reach out to me maybe like on twitter or something and they'll be commenting on uh, a twitter post that i put on about maybe like a, a course that people should take like online course and they'll ask me a question about the online course and my my response is well if you can find that information that you just asked me on the online course description anywhere online that should be something you should investigate for yourself. Because in tech, and literally in my role, I have to go out and seek all the answers to all my problems and all my decisions. So you really just have to get comfortable with investigating, doing research on your own, figuring out those problems on your own, putting uh, missing puzzle pieces together. And you can't rely on someone to keep feeding you the answers. So that's kind of my thing. I don't feed people answers when I communicate with them. If it's something I know that they can go and find themselves, because I want to get them in the habit of you got to be able to use your resources and look for that information because it's right there.
0: <laughs> Man, preach. It's a Google. It's a Google away is what I tell people. And it bothers me when people ask you something that they could Google, because I'm not Google, but I am I, I am expensive, so let me send you an invoice to answer what Google or some or some YouTube video has already said, and and, and it's the reason why I think you know everyone should have a YouTube because if you have a skill set, you can just refer a uh, hundred thousand people to the same video and eventually you'll know you start making money monetizing your life is what we call it here i'm surprised you gave twitter a shout out because i saw that your account was suspended and i was going to ask like how did you get your account suspended um or did you just create a new account
1: no my account is hey camille for twitter and for instagram oh okay. there's like three underscores and with the hey camille but no i've not yet had any kind of suspension on twitter and social media in general, just because I really only go on there for a purpose.
0: So. Okay, and I was going off um, your website, and I was just clicking, and and it was um, Camille Hall twelve, and it was like suspended. I'm like, what did she do? Did oh,
1: she- that's because I did a name change like three weeks ago. Oh, okay. that's a catch. Okay, it used to be that um, Twitter handle, but then I changed it to Hey Camille. To make things a little bit more consistent but thank you for catching that
0: okay uh, we just don't like to get the game we like to give it and and i want to even go deeper into you know the speaking since you do want to become a speaker are you currently well we're on lockdown right now but texas is open um you know have you looked into the uh not just the ted talks but the Toastmasters have you done any of that
1: no I have not um I actually don't know anything about that so I'm over here trying to open up my notes I can put that in
0: you take notes and I'll definitely I'll send you I'll send you some links um because for our clients I always tell them Toastmasters is your first step to professionally speaking and you know this is just the beginning. This is what Les Brown and everybody has done and they're still a part of. The Tony Robbins, all that, they are are part of that. So yeah, you know, because you travel around the world, where's your favorite place that you've traveled thus far?
1: Favorite hands down would be the Southern region of Africa. Went to four different countries, um, starting with South Africa, uh, Mozambique, uh, Lesotho, and then Swaziland, so that was definitely my favorite experience. Hands down, there's so much more in Africa to, that I can go and travel and see. So that'll definitely be on my um, my my places to go. Because I know for a lot of tech conferences, um, they they're starting to do a lot in uh, like Western Africa. Um, I'm trying to think. Where have I seen them? Nigeria. Yeah, definitely in Nigeria. They've been on with the tech scene for quite a while, so people should not sleep on them.
0: So. Yeah, YouTube even has um, a a a base, so the YouTubers in Nigeria actually have folks that can help them, and they have different, you know, events, and so it's um it's a beautiful thing now can you get a hold of them no i'm talking about them too <laughs> because you know <laughs> i represent youtubers so it's like i have a youtube managers so i'm like connect me with nigeria and they give me the emails but for some reason those folks don't answer or don't answer and reply and and that's something that you know everyone should do especially in the tech space but tell the audience you know Going to Africa, um, I assume this was a vacation and, and not like a mission trip or a military trip. So you, you probably had, you know, freedom to do as as you like. What was it, because I'm Mr. Africa, if you see, if, if I showed you around my, my thing, you'd be like, hey man, this guy has all the, the African flags and you can see right here in <laughs> Jersey. Um, what was it about Africa that you, you know, made it your favorite place uh thus far
1: um, honestly, I think it was the nature I know it sounded sounds a little odd because you get in nature anywhere, but literally, I just felt like I was in a uh, a very natural home kind of land um as far as like it was my first time, for example, we were staying in a um I forget what they call it, but like this resort um, way in like Swaziland. Um, and it was just literally, we're staying in adobe like huts and, and whatnot. There's no electricity. There's no, I don't know if there's running water there. Um, and we actually did pay for the experience. Um, and, we're, and we're just out in this big, vast land with uh, wild animals behind the gate, luckily. But when it was actually uh, nightfall, that's when I looked up into the sky and I literally saw, it felt like every star in the galaxy I could see. And they were just so intense and so bright. And I still, to this day, have never seen a sight like that except when I was there in Swaziland. So it was just being out in nature and having everything in its natural form is what felt very at home and, and at peace for me. Um, it just felt like everyone was more doing things and wearing things that was a little bit more natural and mm. not man-made and man-constructed and man-conditioned in a way.
0: Okay, man, you got out of Swaziland without becoming a princess since there's a, a, a hundred plus wives out there. Um, you know the, 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 the. We did see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that's... No, that's 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 awesome. Um did you go to Joburg as well? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. Did did you like Joburg?
1: It was fine. It was more city oriented, so I'm kind of used to that vibe, but it was okay. good.
0: So when you were going through Mozambique and all these countries, could you see like where as a tech professional you could win and say, I could come out here and probably just kill the game, whether it was, you know, teaching or creating a, a business. I mean, did, was that a something you could see?
1: Um, at that point, no. But in hindsight, yes. Um, at that point, I was just living life and enjoying my stay. I wasn't really thinking about tech um, when I was out there vacation. I was more so thinking about liberation and being free and just really trying to find my way and things like that. But in hindsight, I do see that a lot of people don't have an online um, business presence. So that in, for anyone in marketing, anyone in software engineering, um, anyone that wants a mobile app, anything like that, I feel like that is a a place where you can um, get that up and running and that you can win because a lot of people don't have that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's yeah. probably the only thing I noticed about
0: tech. In Okay, and, and, and I'm and I'm I'm probably bother you later because uh, Africa is so wide open, and I think you know it might be fifteen, it might be fifteen days, it could be fifteen years. But a lot of Black Americans go to Africa and say, "Oh, I feel free, I feel liberated." But you <laughs> could, you could stay if you could make money, but you can't be looking for a job. You have to create a business because there's enough people looking for a job. And you have to, you know, bring some, some special skill sets. But I love, I love South Africa, um, but I love all of Africa. I haven't been to a country yet that I'm like, oh, I would never go back here and have some land there. But that's, that's, that's a whole nother, whole other thing. Um, what is your community give back with everything that you do? You know, you're making money and you're talented. What's the community give back?
1: Uh, For me it's two things. Um, uh, One is that example that I gave you of people reaching out to me on Twitter, I I am very accessible so whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn is usually where I get people asking me questions, I'll I'll provide them the resources that I have, um, as well as you know challenging them so I'm not going to give you all the answers, you know, you have to do the work and really prepare yourself. Um, But then secondly, um, one of my other things I've always loved to do is to write, and so now I've just kind of more so been focusing my writing on um, lifestyle and tech, so how to get into tech, but really writing it from a very um, easy-to-digest point of view instead of very high technical way. Um, just so I can relate to people and get them into that. And I'm sure more in my future writings, I'll probably be writing a little bit more technical and getting them used to that kind of language. So um, with that, that's my give back as well as like providing them the steps. This is how you can get into tech because I mean, tech is super lucrative and it's a job is never going away. It's a job that is going to be recession proof and Corona proof, you know, so I really advocate people to get into that. And, you know, in the future, when I start um, doing a lot more speaking engagements as well, that's going to be me doing more outreach and getting more brown and black people into tech because I I feel like we already have the skills. Uh, Myself for many years, I was working in the call center Um, and that required you being able to type quickly, being able to uh, um, communicate. Those are two things that you're going to need into tech, is to be able to to type accurately and correctly, because if you don't, you're going to have bugs that you run into, and you're going to have to, you know, learn those lessons, and as well, you need to communicate, because when it comes down to it, the program languages are literally just um, communicative languages. They're just, you just need training to memorize what you're doing, but In essence, you're just giving the computer instructions, so you got to be a good communicator.
0: Okay, okay. What are your thoughts? Uh, You know, you have folks like people like Mark Cuban and others in, in so many books, you know, The Future is Faster Than You Think, which is a book I finished a few weeks ago, and I love it. It, but it talks about how everyone was pushing you know hey stem 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 but now they're saying automation is coming and it's going to take over these jobs and i can't wait for it to come take over what we do because i already have it in my mind how that would look because of it's out it's an algorithm game and the computer is always going to win that game but what do you think about you know automation in the next let's say 20 years taking over. And and do you think that is true or do you think there's always going to be a human element needed for what you do?
1: I definitely think there's always going to, there always should be a human element um, within it. I can't say there always will be, mm-hmm. but I, I think with all automation, um, I, I do think it's going to be a little bit more, um, little bit more seen in different devices and different things that we um, communicate and come into contact with so that is a really good option to um, get into tech especially if you're into you know even like robotics or um, self-driving cars or anything of that nature if you're interested in those things definitely get into those fields because they'll be taking off Um, but my I do have to say, I think we just need to be responsible when we are automating things because you don't want it to get to the point where the computer controls the world. That's, you know, you don't want an eye robot situation. So I think there definitely needs to be um, responsibility in the things that we create. So I will just add that little tidbit
0: okay well you might want to everywhere you go and speak talk about that i know the comedian bill burr in his latest uh thing he was talking about how he was watching tv and he said the robot was like they were asking the robot what is your goal and it's like to be smarter than humans and he was like somebody unplug that thing like haven't we seen this in every movie and you know when is it where you know the robot starts slapping somebody um yeah It goes, yeah, with the iRobot. That's what
1: they call the, uh, you know, machine learning, which is really, really popular right now. The machine learning, I look at it as um, a mother to a child. Like, I have a two-year-old daughter, and I kind of see the similarities between a developer and machine learning as far as you're literally programming this computer um, with enough information that it starts to learn and get, and do research and kind of gain and and see the trends of whatever topic you're giving it. And it kind of starts to learn on its own. And the same with a child, you know, you're giving uh, that child information. And this is really important with um, parenting because you wanna feed your child the right information and you want to um, provide them um, all the essential positive things that you can. Um, Because if you're conditioning your child to be this one way they're going to keep learning and learning and learning to, to um, be that kind of way. And the same with the computer. So I think um, all humans in every aspect really needs to be very um, conscious about what they're putting into their computer or their children. You know, we need to be responsible and just think of this long-term about the long-term effects of what this is going to be for whichever.
0: Have you seen the new, um child's play movie. Oh my gosh, no. I didn't even know they're still doing those. You have to see it. Like I, I've missed maybe the last two, but I remember Chucky because I had a my buddy, you know, and, and, and that was that was the thing, right? But the new <laughs> child's play, and I don't want to give too much away, but why it's great because the new my buddy is basically Siri. And it can turn on your TV, it can do this, it can do that. And the reason why, of course, you know, Chucky has to go, you know, all the way left is because of what we humans taught him. What he saw us watching, he then wanted to do because we're laughing at stuff that is gruesome and, you know, and, and bloody, especially in, in, in America. Because my international audience will say, no, that's not what we do. But... <laughs> but <laughs> in america yeah <laughs> yeah in in America, so it, you you gotta you got to see that movie it's mm-hmm. it's a good one
1: I'm definitely gonna check it out It sounds like something I'd be interested in,
0: yeah, you know and if you have you know a doll you you might <laughs> at night you might say, hold on, let me you know Put this in the toy box and see if it comes out. And if I see it anywhere else, <laughs> I
1: watched Toy Story three with my uh, daughter this weekend, and I was already side eyeing the toys. And that's a pretty good movie, but I was like, I know y'all be moving when I leave the room.
0: <laughs> that, I do, I do that with mine too. I'm, you know, it's uh, some stuff I say. Now nah, we can't watch that. I want to see now. <laughs> now, nah, nah, scared me as a kid. I want to see that now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can remember. But no, that that's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. And I don't want to give the people a game overload. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to cut it there. But I do want to say this, folks. This proves, Camille proves that just because you're on the computer does not mean that you're out of shape. Through this whole interview, you see her muscle. I mean, her her her, her, her guns are out there.
1: Her <laughs> <laughs> <I laughs> there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so you know, I thank you for coming on. Um, I want to talk to you after as well, but I thank you for being a guest. Thank
1: you so much for having me. I we had a lot of fun. Seems like it's something we should do again.
0: We can do this. I can go on and on and on and on. So, you know, it it don't stop. So, you guys, like, share, subscribe, do all of that stuff. Inspire somebody by giving this information to somebody who they love the computers, they they love the graphics, and so they can see a plan on how they can go to the next level. You guys, be blessed.